This is the Debbie Royale with your hosts, Kevin Coleman, Jeff Bell, and Christian Williams. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Debbie Roy Al. And it's time, like we did last week, for 2023 talk and college football again. News and notes. A lot of fun stuff going around in college football right now. Uh, but before we get into all that kind of stuff, we're gonna talk about, you know, we have two great people that are on our on our uh, I guess we I guess we have a brand, which is weird. Uh, but uh, we have a new video on our YouTube channel. You should definitely check out our YouTube channel. Um, Anthony Dynasty Drive has done great, great work for us, Anthony Corrente. Uh, he has a new video up, he's looking at running back room so where are you looking at he had one up for texas uh, and it was very good and then he just had an alabama one up for crimson tide he went through all the running back status guys that you should be watching um it's fantastic content and and i think they do a good job christian does a good job of producing that as well um and we also want to give a shout out to herms he's our new if you listen to the podcast last week we know you did we appreciate you guys uh he's definitely doing all our sound stuff now and without those two guys our content wouldn't be where it is. So please follow them, but also, you know, give them a shout out for us. Let us know in the, in the, you know, the iTunes, everything there. Um, what do you like about our sound, the new sound that you got there and the new videos on YouTube? Yeah. Great message, uh, Kevin. I, agree. <laughs> I, I was going to say really quickly, you mentioned the, uh, the reviews, you know, I, we're very, very grateful for all the reviews that have poured in, but I feel like it's been a few months since we got one. So if you listen to the podcast and you haven't dropped us a review, I don't like doing this, but it would very much so help us. And um, we, you know, we love reading those things. And even if you think we suck, like just drop us a review anyway, so we can get better. We, we're always looking to get better as a show. So. Yeah, unless you talk about me, then don't just leave it out. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about news. Jordan Addison watch. So this is going to be a kind of a running theme on the show for the next few weeks until this thing gets settled. Because Jordan Addison, I think uh, two forty seven. I just saw him. They I think they have a five star for his transfer grade or something like that. So they're po- they're popping him up there. We don't know where it's going to go to. Reportedly based on SI, and I don't know SI used to be a you know very good program. I don't know anymore. It's down to Texas USC, uh, Alabama's lurking, but it's really down to those two schools. And then Pittsburgh, Narducci came out and, like, tweeted something yesterday, like emojis and stuff. I don't know what that was about. Uh, but it does seem like it's Texas USC. So if he picks Texas, will they win the Big 12, Jeff? Sure. I mean, I think they can win the Big 12 without him. That It's a mess, you know. Who are you going to go with? Are you going to go with Oklahoma State putting it together and finally getting over the hump? Are you going to go with um, Matt Campbell keeping it rolling at Iowa State? Are you going to just default to Oklahoma? And they've got so much turnover and so much new coming in. I, I mean, anybody could win that conference. I mean, do we probably have to mention Baylor and what David Aranda's building last year, the champion last year? And, there, you know, he's going to have a defense that's going to bring it. They're kind of switching through quarterbacks. So so, you know, they they certainly can. I don't know if he's the piece that they need to push him over the top or not. I think that they're probably capable of doing it now, but it's not going to hurt. And I did want to mention that I, I'm really glad that the 24-7 gave the Bliknikov winner a five-star, you know, because I, you know, if the Bliknikov <laughs> winner is not a five-star transfer, I, I don't really know who could be a five-star transfer. But um, And then there was, like, some weird story that popped up. I thought I saw – Yesterday, where um, I know a Jai Hall has 
he's gone from Texas. And then I saw thought there was something else about Xavier Worthy like coming out maybe, but I think that I'm imagining that. I think it, maybe I'm just crossing my wires there. Um, but it does kind of seem like there's, um, you know, obviously there's connection to Texas there with the wide receiver coach and he, Jordan Addison sending the tweets about him being in Austin. Now he's sending tweets from Lane Kiffin's pool. So, you know, he's getting around and he's seeing everybody playing catch with Bryce young. So he's, he's out there and about, but uh, there are certainly connections um, either way. It's, it's probably just right now, realistically, is it a bidding war? Is that is what's going on? And, and they're looking for the most money and he's just going to end up playing college football, making $5 million this year. Who knows? I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's glorified free agency. I should, I do want to clarify the Ajayi Hall stuff, though. So there's there's mixed reports right now. He deleted a lot of his Texas stuff, and there was a report that he wasn't on the Texas roster anymore, but there was also a report that he never was, that he never officially was placed on that roster. I think it probably has to do with him enrolling in classes and things like that because he was such a late transfer so I don't really know what's going on with that. You would think that they would get him in, and there are waivers for this kind of stuff, uh, but you would think that they would get him in because if he was part of their plans for this year, they obviously have had their spring practices and, and whatnot. So, And I think he had hit the, uh, the the deadline for things like that. So I don't know what's going on with Jai Hall. It seems like the kid has a lot going on. Uh, I love the talent, but I – we, we talked about that uh, in our group chat today, and I said, well, I don't even really want to rank this kid right now. But with re- re- regard to uh, Jordan Addison, I mean, I think Texas is a really good landing spot. I, I think there is, we, we talked about it a little bit last week, there is still a, a large question mark on, on Texas, and that is, there are a few, but the first one, I guess, would be coaching. Can they get over the hump? Can they actually be more than a six-win team? I think that there's the opportunity there because like you just said the big 12 is wide open i think there's a lot of excitement around that program right now i think arch manning uh considering texas right now is a factor in some of this too you know not that addison will be there at that time but it just kind of shows what kind of pedigree that program still has despite the lack of success over the last few years so yeah i mean if addison's there I, i would probably bet on them to win the big 12 Kevin, is that a is that a crazy statement? It feels a little crazy when it comes out. No, I don't think so because the Big 12, like Jeff said, is so muddled. Baylor, yeah, they did very well last year, but I think they won. I think it was five games within, I think it was like one score games they won every single one. And that is not going to happen again, especially that just never does. I think that swung the right way there. Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma could be good. I do think that I love Javante Barnes, the freshman running back out of there. I think he's going to get a little bit of play there. I like Dylan Gabriel as a college quarterback. So, like, I, I do think – I think the question mark, though, is defensively for every team in the Big 12, like always. Like, what team is going to step up on that side? And Texas, I think, struggles with that. I think the corners are suspect. Um, and and I do think – but I think they could. I think they have talent. If you, They have the best quarterback in that conference. So if you have the best quarterback, probably, right? I know Jeff hates him, but Quinn Ewers is probably going to be that best quarterback in that conference. So if he's if he is, they have a shot. Um, where does Addison go? I still think he goes to USC. I, I just think you're, he might get $5 million. And I think USC, this is, he's doing what he's supposed to do. It's the Instagram stuff. He's posting where he's at. He's getting boosters to say, hey, you should come here. And he's having fun with this. And I do think that there's an outside shot. He comes back to Pitt, though. I don't think that's over yet. Like, I think that he could come back, um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting there. But I, I do, I think that now if he goes to USC, I think USC is, is ready to compete. 
you know, I, I think that they all, they, he really puts one of these teams over the top. If, if I'm him though, I mean, he got peppered with targets last year. I mean, he uh, didn't he see something over 150, I think was in our, no. manif- our, our manifesto. It, that's not going to happen anywhere else. And especially if he goes to uh, a team with Xavier Worthy, who is fantastic in his own right, I think that would be the best receiver that he'd be competing with, assuming it's down to those three schools. Sorry to uh, Mumfield truthers out there. I don't think that he really poses a threat at Pitt. I I just wonder, you know, is that going to harm his draft stock more than it would help, even if he's on a successful football team? Um, now, no offense to Pitt. Maybe they could be successful, but probably not with Keaton Slovis. Let's be real. You know, I, I think he's put on film that he's able to handle that target volume. So you've seen that he's going to come down. He's got to build his body, uh, I think, is part of it. He's got to come in. I mean, if he comes in here as 179 pounds, what, what are we talking about? You know, and, and so he's got to position himself in that area, I think. So um, that's going to be a big question there. Uh Mario Williams is not nothing at USC, and especially having the relationship pre-existing with Caleb Williams. So he probably deserves mention there. But yeah, it's, it is questionable. But, you know, we talk about ready to push in. Like, none of these teams are going to be ready to beat Ohio State or Georgia or Alabama. So it's one of those things that, like, sure, you might win the Pac-12 and you might win the Big 12. But, you know, if you make the college football playoff, is this going to be close? No, probably not. Uh, and so it's just one of those things where it's and in those teams are, you know, he's not going to go to Georgia, obviously not. And, and you're not going to go to Alabama's kind of, it seemed like they were in on him for a second, but they've kind of seemed to have gotten spoken up maybe a little bit there. And, and of course, Ohio state really doesn't have room for him. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of these that just grab the bag and um, really the biggest question would be, making sure his body's ready and he's going to be able to test well because it's going to come down to that. Yeah. I, the, the biggest question mark I have for Addison and I always have is his weight. Can he get his weight up? And what is that going to look like? And I think that's the question mark. And I think that's why he's down in that first round to me. I think thinking of where he's at right now in terms of value. Um, we talked about it real quick. Ajayi Hall, he's deleted all his shit off. Of it. This the whole, I can't, I'm old. The whole Instagram deleting the shit off of it. And like, it, that's a thing, huh? Like Christian's a young kid. You do that, Christian, when you get mad at your job, you delete all of the posts and stuff or no? No, I'm not that young. Oh, I think okay. that's like, a, although I will say, you know, people around our age, like in pro sports they just do that any like i know kyrie irving did that once these that's not a good company to have with i do kyrie irving is not like your your no oh yeah he's like kyrie it's not great it's not great Uh, but i think you're right i don't know what the hell's going on with him but i wouldn't draft him like if i'm in a debbie draft i'm not drafting that jay hall like i have him on a couple teams just because i have him but like i'm not happy like you're you're he he just seems like he's We've seen this. We've seen this movie before with wide receivers like Ijai Hall, and I don't think he's not talented enough to do this. He's not Antonio Brown. Like he's not that level of talent which we've seen these guys go on. Um, I would just you're waiting and seeing, but don't draft him. I don't care how late it gets. I wouldn't touch him because I don't. He might not play ever. He not may not not play. So we don't know where that is going to look like. Well, and that's kind of. I, I think that's kind of the open question with NIL is, and, and I talked about it a little bit last week where you've got. Um, hurdles obstacles that guys are driving towards to really make it to actually make some money and um you know i, I read the tree cohen story today like i finally got around to it and that was heartbreaking uh, that, like that was a really hard story to read and 
you know, hearts goes out to the stuff that happened with him today. But at the same time, it just really puts perspective on these guys that even when you get into the NFL, you, if you're not a first round draft pick, you know, you, you, 600 K you hand that to one of us. Yeah, sure. That's great. But <laughs> when you you're coming out of a bad situation and, and you know, you're kind of dealing with that, it's, you're not moving into a mansion when somebody hands you 600 K on a signing bonus. And so uh, that's kind of one of those things. And, and so, but we're going to start handing these kids money earlier and earlier and it doesn't have, I don't know. It, it just, I think there are a lot of, I, I don't want to sound like the oldest person in the room, which I am. Um, but at the same time, like, I really don't think that like, it's fantastic for players. And I think it's great that they're able to get paid for their name Im- image like this. It's great that they're able to move around to better positions and situations, but you do have to have a little bit of questions and concerns that our college is going to be able to handle this because it does, I think kind of in my mind, the way that they're backing off and not really wanting to touch it on that side and kind of leaving it out there as like, we'll let the boosters handle that. But are they going to be working with these kids to make sure that they're still on the right track? Or are they just going to be like, well, show up to practice, do whatever. And, and off the field, it is what it is. And, and so I think that that's a major question that we're very, very early in this. And when you see anything change like this, you're going to have kids that slip through the cracks that, and, before some systems are put in place and so i think that that's and i think that's something to consider too like when you know obviously we're a a debbie show and we're trying to drive towards that but you kind of have to weigh these things a little bit more heavily than maybe you would even before because if if a guy gets 500k from a booster and thinks he's made it and thinks he's set and checks out your debbie asset's gone and and so i I think that there's some open questions on how that's going to turn out yeah, I, I think you're going to see a lot of premier programs uh, that do set up prog- programs like that for their kids where they kind of have financial education classes for their football team. And it's probably the saddest part is it's probably only going to be for their football team because their football team are going to be the athletes that are making the most money. Clearly, there's a there's a discussion that Arch Manning, I've mentioned him twice on this, but he's a he's potentially going to get $15 million dollars. Uh, from one of these three teams that he kind of has it narrowed down to. And we talked about him last week, so you can go hear some of that. But that's just an absurd amount of money. And, of course, Arch Manning has family that can teach him, hey, this is how you handle yourself when you have that kind of money. I think what it says is we're going to have to really monitor character concerns, and I hate that. I I hate that we have to consider that when we're just kind of looking at these players um, but for fantasy purposes, like I would be, I would be upset if I drafted a Jai Hall in the second round last year, um, it, you know, and, and this kind of the where we're going with it. But there are going to also be the other, the other side of it is like Eric Gilbert might actually work out, you know. So, I, you know, maybe they mature over time, and maybe it's just a longer payoff for you uh, as you're drafting these kids. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it's uh, a different territory, scary territory, um, but I'm, you know, I'm excited for some structure to it so that we don't have to keep speculating on how it's going to play out, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right there. Let's talk about another dead asset. Milton Wright, uh, Purdue. Uh, we're talking about wide receivers that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Mil- you know, Milton Wright is ineligible. Uh, he actually was ineligible in the bowl game, in Purdue's bowl game. He actually skipped spring football to focus on academics, and he is still ineligible. Uh, so it doesn't look like he's going to play. 
that's not good for Purdue. You look at their depth chart, it's gross. You know, I think when you're looking at it from a perspective of who's going to get the targets, they're losing the three top receivers now from the 21 season. I think Payne Durham's going to be there, uh, the tight end. And then a name to think of, not in Debbie because – He's not there, Debbie, and you don't want to you don't want to draft any Purdue players in Debbie. Uh, but Elijah Cannon, he's an Auburn transfer. I liked Elijah coming in the last year. He just never really did anything in Auburn, but he he's got plenty of targets there now. But you know, with Milton Wright, this is tough. Uh, people were drafting pretty high. He was going to get the volume and produce there. Um, what do you think of this, Jeff? Well, this kind of touches the other side of it with the transfer portal a little bit. Obviously, he didn't transfer, but kids need to be eligible to play. This is still college football. They still need to take classes. They still need to be eligible. And when you're going to have kids that are going to potentially check out of situations that they're in or pull out of classes, leave campus, whatever it might be, I don't know. Are we going to start to see more ineligible concerns on players that are high profile that transfer? Is it going to be, you know, we've talked about, We've talked about a little bit, but the conversation's been out there that uh, our guys going to take like this early NIL money and then take a year off because they have a little bit in the bank already. They take that year off and position themselves and skip playing college football for a year. There's just a lot of questions and concerns to unpack really that I don't know that are being addressed by the people that should be addressing them because it just kind of seems like, Nobody wants to listen to the NCAA, but at the same time, the NCAA doesn't want to take ownership of anything. And then you've got universities, colleges that are trying their best to muddle their way through things. But, you know, what Ohio State says about what should be done is different than what Tennessee says about what should be done. And there's nothing in between it. And and it's just I feel terrible for the kid. And, you know, he, I don't know if he's going to be able to get it back on track and be able to get back in school and be able to play again. Or if this is just it for him. And certainly I hope that's not the case, but we're going to see, you're going to see things like this, that if a guy checks out halfway through the quarter and then fails all his classes halfway through the semester, he's not going to be eligible. And and if a guy's checking out and he's no, he's going into the transfer portal, he's not going to have that assistance from the school, making sure that he is eligible moving forward. And I think that that's some of it as well. Yeah, there's a there's a larger scheme thing here at play. And I think, you know, I think even college staffs have been a little short staff. Everyone's short staffed in the world right now. Um, college staffs are especially so because they've kind of allotted a lot of these uh, coaches or, or staffers to NIL stuff. And so I think that you might see some of this where, um, you know, they they just can't keep their kids on track as much because they're focused on you know, X player in the transfer portal that they want to bring in to replace Milton right after this year. Um, now, does he lose a year of eligibility? Like, or can he then extend his time in college if he becomes academically eligible? Well, I think he loses his scholarship. I don't know if he loses a scholarship, but I think he loses something like that to where he's not actually an athlete on the team. So I don't know if he loses a... Uh, gotcha. He might. I, I, he I, might I, lose the full scholarship, yeah. Yeah. He could. That's I mean, there, there's a reality. He might leave. You know what I mean? Like, there could be a reality where Milton Wright goes somewhere else. Maybe he goes to junior college, or maybe he decides to transfer someone else, and he has to sit out a year, get himself there, and then he would lose that year because they got to sit out now. Right. That makes sense. And that's tough. 
and and it's one of those. Th- this is the this is the danger of Devi. I mean, this is really what we're talking about here, and this is why this is why it's always going to be kind of niche because people don't want to have this happen. Like, and this is why redraft is always the big one, and these are the things you got to kind of look into. And I think that's just one of those things that you have to be aware of that will happen. Uh, let's talk about G five quarterbacks, and I think I think we'll probably go there, and then we'll get into our second round of our mock draft that we didn't get to last week. Um, Grant Gunnell, a young kid from Arizona, transferred to Memphis. Now he's going to North Texas. He transfers there. We've seen guys like Harrison Bailey. We see Jake Hayner. We see a lot of these G5 quarterbacks who uh, we talk about, like, not being freak athletes, so why are we talking about them? Do, do, do G5 quarterbacks matter, Jeff? No, they, they don't. Yeah, I, I went through and I looked through the NFL starting quarterbacks. Derek Carr is one of them, and that was years ago. It was a completely different system that's going on than what's – set up now and um, I'm blanking on I think there was somebody else that stood out but I'm blanking but it's like everybody that's starting quarterbacks for especially at this case the way it's going it's your Alabama's your Ohio State's your Clemson's that, that are pushing them through now because um, one obviously Trey Lance is a G5 or an FCS quarterback that got drafted last year um, and Zach Wilson too Okay, so two quarterbacks got drafted in 2021 that were G5 guys. But I think what you're really going to see, you're going to see more of it where guys move up if they have the opportunity, the ability. Cam Ward going to Washington State, and we know that there's some coaching things going on there. But guys, it's in their best interest to position themselves like that. And we know with Jake Hayner, there was kind of the story with Washington, but then Washington kind of decided they didn't really want him. And I think that it's – this is a – kind of a red flag that if a kid or shows early and colleges aren't showing interest in bringing him up, then you've got some real questions there. And then obviously Carson strong is sitting in our minds too, as a G five guy that, you know, we were pretty high on him and, and I know mock drafts, some people were sliding him in the late first round at early in the mock draft process. He went undrafted. And, and I just think that there's so much risk involved in these G five quarterbacks that it's the way that the landscape is shifting. I don't see them as Debbie assets really at all. There's just too much risk in that. And when it comes to C2C, yeah, they're going to put up some numbers, but you probably have to look at them at a different value than you might think that he's going to be a guy that makes the end of a roster or even better than that. Yeah, so I think your your examples of Lance and Wilson as being just smaller school, whether it's FCS, G5, whatever it is, uh, I think those are the outliers, right? So those are the talented kids with athleticism that, you know, maybe got a chance to play against higher level competition. Now, that's not the case for Trey Lance, but he's an elite athlete and he kind of showed that he has elite arm talent. You know, he's got all of the good things. I think those are going to be once in a blue moon. You've also got Carson Wentz that worked out for a little while and then kind of, uh, you know, sputtered out a little bit and what we think of him now. Um, So, you know, I think there are certain cases where you can make that argument. Grant Gunnell, Jake Hayner, these are not guys that fit that mold at all. And so I wouldn't touch them as Debbie assets at all. Uh, but I am also very, very high on Jaron Hall at BYU, so I can't, you know, I can't really argue that I don't like small school prospects because I think that there are certain situations where that makes some sense. So you are you out on Grayson McCall now with him going back to school, with him going back to Coastal Carolina? Do you see him as a guy that could potentially catch the, the end of the being relevant, or is he just kind of out? 
I th I think McCall's a backup, unfortunately. Like I like his tape a lot, but I think and I think he's an NFL guy. So if you think that a backup quarterback's a Debbie asset, then sure. But I don't think a backup quarterback's a very good Debbie asset. So, um, so yeah, I'm pr I'm pretty out on him as like a a guy that I would target, especially because I mean he gets drafted, especially in C two C leagues. Like he gets drafted pretty highly. He he's a very efficient quarterback. So, um, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I I think the tools are kind of there with him, but I need to see another year of that, and maybe he does take that leap. But he's a two-star recruit, and so I don't think so. I doubt it. Yeah, and to be clear, you know, we, athletes can make a difference. You know, and, and Desmond Ritter is a great athlete. You might th not think he's a great athlete. Desmond Ritter is a great athlete. Malik Willis is a great athlete. Trey Lance is a great athlete. So I think that that's something else. That's a different conversation versus some of these guys that are just more that traditional pocket, pa pocket passer, and especially if a guy's got size questions. It's you just can't look at these guys as well. He's, he's excellent at Fresno state. And it's like, who cares? Like, no, you know, it, it, look for freak guys or look for guys that are coming out of pipeline programs. And that's really what the league's going to be looking at. Hey, don't be hating on my Fresno state out here. No, I, I, I will say no, but I, I will say you guys are right. Do not touch these guys with Debbie picks. Like it's not worth it. Let the other people draft these guys and let them take the risk. And you guys go other areas. Like the, the point out McCall, I like McCall too. He does not have the arm strength to be an NFL quarterback, like a realistic starter. Every, he doesn't have it. And I think someone was, someone put him in the first round of a mock that I saw like a week ago. I saw like at the end of the first round, there's just no way McCall will be a first round quarterback. Quarterback. I just don't see it. And especially with how you saw the quarterbacks, this like it's just not going to happen. So he doesn't have the arm strength. McCall doesn't have the arm strength. Um, whereas Cameron Ward, he has the arm strength, but he's very, very raw. And McCall has very good, fun, you know, fundamentals and those type of things. Like, I think that when you're looking at it, you have to look at the athletes, but uh, stop drafting these guys, Jake Hayner, these guys, Jake Hayner. I watch Jake Hayner a lot because I'm out here and I go to their games. He is very small and he gets hit a lot. And you know, he will not withstand an NFL beating. He can't. He he won't. Okay. That's just, I think that's the reality. I don't think he could withstand a Pac-12 beating. I think that's why he didn't go back to Washington. I think that's why he went to Fresno State in the first place. So there, there are a lot of things to talk about with these guys. Just stop wasting picks on these guys. Like, I just don't think you can. I just I think you just move on. You draft the other guys and the other talent, running backs, wide receivers. And, th and that's kind of how you should play it because G5 quarterbacks are fun to watch in the MAC on Tuesday nights, but they're not fun to watch because they don't play in the NFL and they hurt your debut team. Mock draft. All right, let's uh, let's go over to uh, the first. Okay, so what we're gonna do? We're gonna talk about our our first round last last week. We did a 2023 mock draft. Um, I'm gonna go through the picks. Uh, we'll, we'll you know so you can hear it. Bijan Robinson was the 101. CJ Stroud the 102. Bryce Young the 103. Jackson Smith the Jigba 104. Keishawn Butte at 105. Jameer Gibbs 106. Zach Evans was the 107. Quentin Johnston 108. Will Levis 109. Bad pick. 110 was Anthony Richardson, 111 was Jordan Addison, and 112 was Kendall Milton. And Christian left us off at the 112. Uh, so we're going to do the second round today. Uh, we're going to talk about the prospects here, and this is where we start getting how deep this, this talent base is. There's a lot of guys I couldn't pick in this round that I, I, I'm going to mention today because I, I, I can. Uh, but let's start with Jeff. Jeff's had the 201. Where did you go with this one? So I went with Michael Mayer here, and I think part of it is just looking at the tight end landscape. Um, you know, obviously with Kyle Pitts last year in 2021, Pat Fryermuth, you know, he was a hit, and but it kind of speaks to the 
depth or the lack of depth of elite tight ends when you're getting really getting into dynasty and depending on what happens with Travis Kelsey this year you know we might see another asset gone depending what happens with Zach Ertz who had a little bit of a renaissance last year there's a potentially another asset that might be in limbo so I think when you're looking at it and you see this past year Trey McBride really was the only guy that was drafted in the second round and you know I saw that a lot of the Greg Dolchich and uh, Jamari um, Woods was dropping to a fourth round in a lot of drafts that I saw. And so you had a class that essentially where no tight ends came in to replace that you have Travis Kelsey potentially wearing off and that thirst for an elite tight end is always going to be there. And, and Mayer is a player that, you know, I think he's better than um, Pat Fryermuth at, in college. And so him coming in and there's so much depth at the running back and wide receiver in this class that maybe this is aggressive to take him here. But at the same time, I, I just think you're seeing that landscape and dynasty when it comes to tight ends shifting enough that somebody is going to get go after these tight ends. It's a good pick. I have him as a first round guy. So I think this is a value at 201. I think that he is that he's he's going to be a difference maker at the end of the first, even in non tight end premium. Yeah, I, I expect he'll be a top 20 ish pick in the NFL draft. And that's usually a good sign that they're going to get on the field and be impactful as a rookie, too. And I think that's we, we look at these picks as value, like with, from a value perspective and your return on investment with the second round pick on a tight end of that caliber is going to be great. I mean, you're gonna if you even if you weren't pleased with his rookie year yourself, uh, you can flip him to someone who's really high on him moving forward. So, all right, I have the next pick. I I got yelled at today about that. I took Sean Tucker here, uh, and I took him in the at the two hundred two running back from Syracuse, five foot ten. 202 205 he's listed around there um so you'd like to see him there he's done everything he's asked he was a six nation six reading russia last year 1400 yards he, he had he averaged just under 125 yards per game he also had third in the country in yards per scrimmage at 1700 and he's consistently been a workhouse a workout horse back in college football and i know that i just have a hard time it's weird. I have a hard time putting him ahead of those other guys like Zach Evans, um, you know, Bijan, obviously those Gibbs and those guys. Some people think he's the running back two of the class. I don't have him there, um, but I think in the second round, you got to get him. I think when I did the mock at him at the 110, I had him as a late first because the running back position really going to come down to draft capital with him. Where does he go? Um, but I like him. I'm not in love with him. I do think that he has some work to do as a pass catcher. I know he's, I know he, like I mentioned, he does have the yards per scrimmage, but I think that's just because Syracuse is so bad. They have to use him. He's going to see that usage, which he shows that he could do it. But I, I don't know. I, I'm somewhere in the middle on Tucker. He's a, he's been the hardest person for me to analyze, to be honest with everybody. I have takes uh, on this, but I'm going to save that for like a running back show. I think um, what I will say on Tucker is you've got a lot of people highlighting his speed. He's a, he's a track guy too. And he runs really fast hundred meters and stuff, but I don't see that play speed on film all the time. I think that he's stuck in trying to process what's in front of him and that slows him down on the field. I, I'd like to see him just open up play freely i think we could i'm not out on him by any means but i am definitely lower than he's not even remotely close to my top three um yeah. in terms of like talent wise he he might fall within my top 10 but um yeah i overall though like this is good value for a guy that may end up in the second round of the nfl draft sign me up yeah and really that that's I don't know. You just have to see a lot out of the passing game to put him at at that size. Um, 
you know, and, and the speed needs to show up too, uh, because you really look at the NFL and the running backs that matter for fantasy at that weight are, you know, Aaron Jones, he's working through the passing game, Christian McCaffrey, obviously. And, and I think we can all agree. Sean Tucker is not Christian McCaffrey. And so it, you just really have to see it in those different elements to get him there versus the other guys that we talked about last week are all guys that are capable of being bell cow three down backs. All right, uh, I was next up with the 203, and I actually went running back as well, and I went with Tank Bigsby. Uh, he, he's a kid that obviously that people have been up and they've been very down on him. A lot of people talked about him in a conversation with Bijan. I don't think that that's the case at all. Uh, I think that Tank is definitely uh, more of a one-dimensional back than a lot of these guys. I, we haven't seen the pass catching from him. Very similar to, to Tucker, except I would say I could argue that Tank's even worse in the receiving game. But I also think that his short area burst is that of, uh, you know, he's up there with Gibbs and Bijan in terms of can he be elusive and can he get five yards when it looked like he was going to get negative two. And I think that that's the case with Tank. I think the NFL teams are going to really like his running style. We need to see another good year from him here at Auburn. And I find it hard to believe that that will be the case. Uh, But... You know, I, I think I'd take a shot on him here based on the fact that he's still a very talented running back. And I what 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 we're kind of finding out is that I well, at least my belief is that NFL teams are gonna hammer running back in the first three rounds of the draft next year because this is such a deep class. Uh, but if that's not the case and if some of these guys followed it to day three, then we could be in trouble with these picks. So I, I like Tank. I, I I really do, and I think that he's getting shot down. Like the I I in a C two C startup that I'm watching because I'm in the league. There's a bunch of sharps. I don't think he went to like the third or fourth round. Um, he went way late, and I was like, that's that's really weird to me. Like I don't understand why he's going that low because I would argue that he's in the same tier as Sean Tucker. Like I, I feel yes. like they're right next to each other, but Tucker's getting overdrafted in these formats. So like I still think Tank can be a productive back. I think that that the offense wasn't great. And I, and I still think that he can, he can do it. I think you're right about the NFL. They're going to like tank. I think that there's going to be some things I like about him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand the hate on tank. I, I like tank. I, I will say this next pick was a shocker to me. So I'm ready for Jeff to give me his, uh, his opinion here. <laughs> well, real quick on tank too, you know, Brian Harrison. Well, no, he's not the coach anymore. Um, who's the coach? Yeah, he is. No, he's still there. Oh, he is. Okay. Yeah, I thought we were he, ready to fire him last year. And, and he'll be fired next year. They're just they're yeah. they're they're just yeah, but he's still playing Jarquez Hunter last year a fair amount too. Yeah. And so I, I just think this uh tank is a, a player that concerns me on uh if that what narratives are gonna be around him because if oh he's in a dual backfield and they're not willing to give him the full work and he's not a great athlete, and it's just one of those that it, we were probably already seeing the value slide out of it, and yeah, he could become a great value because of that but uh, it's just one of those that things are moving um so i'm just ridiculous on my next pick and i <laughs> regret it and i've i've taken him in every single draft that i've pretty much ever done in debbie but um i took eric gilbert uh, in the middle second round here and and i, I don't know we're, we're a year reach. out so mm. it was a very big reach um things can change and you know we see him he's playing wide receiver potentially for georgia i think he's going to show his athleticism that size package is just alluring and i've talked about tight ends a little bit with michael mayer on the last pick i you know i i'm just gonna go with the the athletic guy that and i'll bet that maybe he puts it together this year and 
if the reality is if he does, he's going to be in that conversation for the end of the first round. I, I mean, there's just, this is just a potential play. It's, it's risky, but if it pays off, it's one of the best value picks in this entire draft. I, I, yeah, I know. If Jeff, it pays off. Jeff just, wants, Jeff just wants it to pay off after all the picks that he's had with this kid. I know. Uh, he just, I, I he could though. I mean, he's 280, he, he, but he runs like he's 240. Like he's, he's special, but he just got to get on the field. I think that's the, that's the key there. Um, all right. I thought I got to steal with this pick and he, I don't even like Josh Downs, but I took Josh Downs at the 205. I mean, I don't want to say I don't like him. I like him, but he's, he's okay. Hater. I'm not as high on him as others, but he's tough, but you saw last year, he was North Carolina's best weapon, 1300 yards receiving 101 receptions, eight touchdowns. I think, you know, I like him at the slot or on the outside. I think he can play both. Um, my biggest thing is I think he's a yak thread. He, he has a good catch radius. I love his, um, acrobatic catches and traffic. He could do a lot of good things. I just, you know, North Carolina wide receivers, you know, diamond Brown, these other guys that come out of there, will he be able to buck that trend and be different? I think this year is a big year for him. So he's one of those kids that's probably going in the second round, but I could easily see him going in the first Jahan Dotson, these other guys that jump up. I mean, he's probably better receiver than Jahan Dotson was like, so if you're looking at it from that perspective, I think you get him in a second this year, that's pretty good value. I, Downs is my toughest eval for wide receiver right now because I just don't know how versatile he can be. Where is he going to play at? And that North Carolina offense just worries me. I think that's the reason why I'm a little down on Downs. Not, not a, that wasn't intended to be a pun, but it was. Like <laughs> that's just one of those reasons. The the reality of Downs is uh, the BMI folks are going to hate him. The height folks are going to hate him. He's a small kid, but. You hit the nail on the head, and I'm really glad you brought up Dotson because when I watch Downs, I think, oh, that's like Dotson except actually special. Um, no offense <laughs> to John Dotson, but I mean special and early on in his career too. Like he he yes. has – we talked about Downs a little bit last year um, or last week. I mean uh, I think that his yak ability is elite. And, and and I don't say that like I think it's elite and I'll probably do some breakdowns of why I think that uh, but we'll save that for a wide receiver episode we definitely do not have time Jeff do you have thoughts on downs I just want to see somebody that size actually like put up <laughs> fantasy point and like I'm I'm looking at it this year and he's not Calvin Austin is not Josh Downs um but at the same time I think that there were some talk about Calvin Austin potentially being like a second round pick in the NFL and he slid to the mid fourth and I think that the NFL is just still hesitant to go in on guys that are kind of bringing this package. Uh how much does Josh Downs weigh? 180 listed. 180. Oh, so he's Jalen Waddle then? I'll listed listed 180 i don't know i don't know what the, the very, it's very tough to know what the listed and what the real weight is out there in, in in college football land yeah it's very true um i don't think that by the way I, I don't have him in that tier i just wanted to be an ass uh i have the next pick here and i took... yeah i have a question you love this kid what, what do you see with this guy you're like the tight end whisperer I, well, I don't know, man. Am I that? I don't think I am. I think I'm pretty bad at evaluating tight ends overall. Uh, but I hit with Trey McBride last year. Um, so I feel pretty good about that, I guess. So I'm on a one year streak. Um, I took Sam Laporta here, the tight end out of Iowa. Um, when I watched his film, I, I said, wow, like this kid could actually slide into the first in the back of the first round in the NFL draft. I mean, he's a very complete tight end. 
I think that his route running is up there with Mayer, and I think that that's maybe why I'm so you know bullish on him. I, I think he's a very good route runner. I think he's got strong hands across the middle, and to be honest, I think he's 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 definitely got more work to do as a blocker than Mayer, and I think that's what's going to separate them. But I also think that I could see a world in which Laporta is a like a dominant tight end one for an NFL team. I know he went back to school. There were there was talk that he was going to declare, and I think he would have been drafted on day two this year. So I, I feel pretty good about this this pick here in the second because I think that we could be looking at a future tight end one in fantasy. I can't. Oh, I can't man. argue. You were right about McBride. I'm not going to argue with you. It's just like, <laughs> I'm never going to argue an Iowa tight end. Uh, they uh, they produce. They produce out there. They do. They do. All right, uh, All right Jeff, Jeff. Who'd you take? Yeah. So I went. Uh, you know, you mentioned that last year you had your hit with uh, Trey McBride. I kind of had my hit with Jamison Williams last year, so I went back to the well again. The transferred speedy transfer that's coming into Alabama with Jermaine Burton coming out of Georgia, moving over to Alabama. Um, I, I just think that he's going to be an, an offensive upgrade, a quarterback upgrade, and he's got speed to really unlock things for um, himself in at the next level, but also to fill into that slot into that Jamison Williams role in the Alabama offense. We know he's going to be featured all season long on, on CBS and, and every big game and, and ESPN talk about him nonstop. And so the, the buzz and the hype is going to build on him, assuming that he's productive in that role. And, and you know, the way that Alabama's produced wide receivers for the NFL the past couple of years that he's going to be positioned there. So that's where I went. I think that you can grab that guy in the mid and mid to late second round. If you, can get him there that's a great bet for playing a year out because that we just think shift so much in a year and he's set up as well as anybody in the country is i like burton i have a second round pick but i think you're right i mean I, he realistically that first game against texas he could have like 10 catches 200 yards and two touchdowns and then people are like oh first round jermaine burton like i can honestly see yep. that against against that texas longhorn team oh yeah I agree there. He's a, he's a talented kid that didn't get to showcase that. And no. I think that he finally gets to, which is good. My favorite stat, I'm going to keep saying it because I hate Stetson Bennett. Five out of the seven most targeted players at Georgia last year averaged a depth of target fewer than 10 yards, while Burton's <laughs> ADOT was 14.3. They just couldn't give him the ball because Stetson Bennett cannot throw to him. That was just the, the biggest thing. And Alabama's replacing 240 targets next year. That's a lot of targets. Burton's yeah. going to get a ton of targets. Um, all right. My next pick, I took uh, Rakeem Jarrett. Uh, and I'm, 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 I'm still on him at, at the 208. I think that's good value. Six foot two, 200 pounds. He came into his freshman season as the wide receiver one in the 23 class. Uh, he had a good year, even though there was COVID there. Last season, it was okay. That offense really struggled down the stretch, but he had 62 set receptions, 829 yards, and five touchdowns. You know, they're going to scheme him targets on the outside and get him in open spaces. I do think that they're going to have some negative game scripts. I do think that they're going to give him the ball. They're going to have to throw a lot in that in that conference uh, the, to play there. I think he has upside. I don't know Sarah thing in the first round, but he's one of those kids. He's got the he's got that the, the, the physical nature about him that I think he can be an athletic guy. If he can showcase the refined skills, route running, those type of things, I think he can jump up a little bit. Are you concerned about um... Jacob Copeland less so, but Demas coming, uh, 
kind of taking attention and targets away or you know or are you all oh, in yeah. on the tackle viola family this year okay i'm not all in on any any okay okay that was an <laughs> unnecessary shot at tua who you know that i love but yeah, anyway um no i i think that's always a concern i just do i think that they're going to be down so so much that it's, they're going to be able to spread the targets around they have no running backs maryland has i, I was going through their their depth chart maryland is not not nah, they don't have any running backs and so they're gonna have to throw a ton you saw last year uh i think it's concerning but if he if he can dominate those targets so he's still got to earn it but in a second round i'll take him i mean who else am i gonna draft here does maryland have the second best wide receivers in the in the big 10 off the top of my head yeah minnesota Probably. no minnesota i mean no, they're I okay Copeland's good. I like Copeland though. Like Jacob Copeland's a kid I've liked from Florida for a long time. I, I think they do. I think they have it. They just have the worst running back room in the Big Ten. Yeah, and and Dante Demas is getting first round NFL draft type right now. He's a deep threat kid. He's he's a good player. Yeah, he is. Um, I they do have a really good wide receiver room, which is why I'm a little concerned about Jarrett. I actually think he's one of the kids that could go back for his senior year, uh, and just dominate that target share after copeland and demas are gone uh, i think that would make some sense for him even though analytics folks would hate that all right uh my next pick i went with a receiver that it really it feels like an overdraft for where he actually goes but i know kevin loves this kid um i went with dontavian wicks the wide receiver uh from virginia yeah yeah i don't know i've i've watched ton of film a ton of film on him i think that his release package is absolutely fantastic i think he's strong after the catch i think he's strong at the catch point i was trying to find weaknesses in this game and to be quite frank i could not find it the virginia offense this year is definitely going to take a step back and i get that but i think that he's still going to flash those traits that nfl teams are going to like he looks like a day two pick to me and to get a day two wide receiver that I think is going to be drafted a lot higher than most people do uh, here at the back of the second, that feels like pretty good value. Actually, I kind of feel like Virginia offense is going to be fun this year. Uh, you know, Brendan Armstrong oh. experienced athlete coming in at quarterback, you know, obviously you got a new coach there and some of it's maybe Virginia is this year's pit, you know, you never know, but I like the pick. Octavian Wicks, Belenikov. I, I like Wicks. We'll talk about it in the wide receiver show, so I won't dive into my takes. But I will say the the whole like Tony Elliott's going to be trash at Virginia. Tony Elliott's a pretty good coach. Like he was a very good offense coordinator. I, I I do think that you know part of that was Dabo. That was trash, and that was his scheme that he was making Elliott run. Elliott has he's had guys come to Clemson and be very good wide receivers. That doesn't mean that Wicks got to be there, and he knows Elliott can't change it in one year. You're going to see Wicks produce this year because he can't just change drastically still got brennan there they're gonna have to throw the ball around that's gonna benefit wicks and now and to christian's point there is not a lot of things that you can knock wicks about as a as a wide receiver the only thing that people are knocking about when i posted my thing about him was oh well virginia's offense is going to take a step back that's not wicks's fault that's not his talent that's going to take a step back it's the offense and i don't think that's true too yeah all right jeff 
So I went with uh, the guy that I think we probably wish would have come out this year, um, Zach Charbonnet, going back to UCLA, grabbing him at the end of the second round. I don't know where he would have really fallen with this year's running backs class uh, if he would have been able to lock him that running back three or if he was a little bit lower. I know people were super high on him going like this winter and then were very disappointed when he came back. I just think he's – I think there's a lot of respect in the NFL on, on what UCLA is running offensively. Greg Dolchich was kind of like a product of that. A lot of teams were excited about him running in a, a pro style. So Charbonnet is going to be in that another year. There's a lot of potential for him to produce this year at UCLA. And, and you know, I mean, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if he led the nation in rushing yards. Be realistic about it. But um, he's, I think he's a talented kid that's coming back. And um, hopefully he shows out and makes it worth his while on coming back for another year. I like Charbonnet. I worry about his lateral agility. He's a big kid. I think that maybe that will knock his at overall athleticism. And I think NFL teams will look at that. But uh, I think you can also make an argument that he uh, will be high up on their boards because I saw a very similar profile in A.J. Dillon. And uh, I think Dillon was a little younger at the time, but it doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. (laughs) In Dynasty. There's so many many jokes there, but I don't want to get canceled. Uh, (laughs) But I I will say, I think... I think that if he could reproduce what he did last year and he tests okay, he can be a day two guy. I mean, then he's going to be a second round draft pick. Uh, I think that's kind of where you look at, but I think he would have been running back three. Um, All right. Let's talk about a guy that I picked that Jeff was making fun of. I put Lou Nichols on here after he took Eric Gilbert, the two of four, I get shit for taking Lou Nichols at the two (laughs) eleven. 5'10", 220. You know, I know he's a non-power five guy, which I say doesn't bode well. I always have that list of, like, I don't want to draft these guys. But I figured I wanted to give him some love, okay? He he was special last year. He rushed for 1,800 yards on 341 carries, so he did have the usage. He scored 16 touchdowns. I don't think he's going to test well. I think when I looked up my article for football guys and I was writing about him, I think that he has a recorded 47040. And that scares me if it's recorded and, and someone's usually those are higher than that, but maybe this one, they were just truthful. So I don't know necessarily if you're going to see that, but he's a guy that could, you know, be red zone, those type of things. I don't look at him as being a very high Debbie asset, but I'll take him here depending on where he gets drafted. I mean, people are drafting Damian Pierce in that early second right now. Lou Nichols has shown, you know, he had more rushing yards in two games that Damian Pierce had for his career total. Michigan couldn't use power back or like, yeah, no, we don't use them back or listen. Like, okay. Uh, he loves college football and he loves his home. That's what new nickel said. So I am a central Michigan stand right now. Right. Uh, the, I worry you pop on the Clemson tape and then, then I get a little nervous or LSU, LSU, not Clemson. Uh, LSU just uh, annihilated that offensive line though. So it's hard to hold him accountable for that, but it was totally the offensive line's fault. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going with on that one. Yeah, mostly I'll go mostly. Uh, but here's, here's the thing. So you did that and I kind of felt obligated to go with my guy, <laughs> but, uh, I do want to shout out Pat Garwo, uh, the kid out of Boston college. I tweeted about him. I've tweeted about him a couple times. I studied him and he came out much higher in my grading scale and I probably would have taken him about five picks earlier um, in in this draft but I hadn't gotten there yet but I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about Jaron Hall the quarterback for BYU that is 24 years old and I don't care that's why I led with that age doesn't matter because I knew what my next pick was Um, but Jaron Hall 
really efficient passer last year. I think, you know, the the whole idea that he took so long to play, well, he went on a service trip, blah, blah, blah. But the talent is there, in my opinion. He's got the arm strength to push to the boundaries. He can push to all three levels of the field. He's pretty accurate. And the main thing is he is a dual threat. And in fantasy football, we are looking for dual threat quarterbacks. I think Jaron Hall has the ability to vault up draft boards this year. And I put him in my first round mock draft, damn it. And so I want him to be, now I'm rooting for him uh, because I, I do want him to have a successful season. BYU plays a ton of really good teams too. So he has an opportunity to show out. You're crazy for putting Jaron Hall on this list. I'm just, I'm just I know. I know. You, you, I don't care. You have him way too high in your rankings. I just wanted to, you and me are going to have some good fights this off season. Cause when I saw <laughs> where you had Jaron Hall, I, I have, did you watch BYU like during the season, not the clips, not the, like the game. No, no, no. Yeah. I watched Yeah. I don't dude. I come on. I watched whole, whole games. I didn't watch like their games. All of them. Obviously he just live, got offended. But... Do you see that Jeff? He got mad at me because <laughs> I was on. questioning his watching ability of the games. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. You might be right. Hall. Hall. You He's might be the new it. quarterback whisperer. I don't know, but I, I, I don't, Probably I don't know. I, I don't know. All right, let's well, the second the round. Oh, no, go ahead. Here, really quick. Here's the thing, though. Like, we're doing this with Desmond Ritter. We're doing this with Malik Willis at this point. Even if he's a second-round pick, if this is a super flex mock draft and he gets drafted on day two, why not take a shot on a quarterback that has rushing ability in the second round? Well, that should have been so, Cameron Ward. That should have been Cameron Ward. Not he doesn't have rushing ability. He's a pocket passer. Yeah, but he's okay. All right, so there's our second <laughs> round. Uh, we'll argue later because we're running out of time. Um, just, let's go through the picks real quick. Michael Mayer, 201. Sean Tucker, 202. Tank Bigsby, 203. Eric Gilbert, 204. Josh Downs at the 205. 206 is Sam Laporta. 207 is Jermaine Burton. 208, Rakeem Jarrett. 209, Dottavian Wicks. 210, Zach Charbonnet. 211, Neil Nichols. And 212, Jaron Hall, who we will be arguing about later. So, I appreciate you guys tuning into the mock draft. So if you missed the first round, we broke that down last week, talked way too much, just like we did this week on this stuff, but we love it so much. Um, so we're going to dive into, I believe next week we're going to be looking at quarterbacks, the position, um, and we're really going to get into that. And that's when we're going to get, we're going to, yeah, me and, we're just going to be diving in. <laughs> we're going to be arguing and talking about it, uh, but let's get to the games and then we'll get out of here. It's the it's sports, sports book rundown. rundown. Yes. Uh, so the first thing we have sports book rundown, uh, I somehow won last week, four, two, and one. Jeff went one, five, and one. Kevin went three, three, and one. So that was close. Uh, but I came out on top, like I will, in the arguing about Jaron Hall next week. This week, we are picking the PGA Championship. Uh, Jeff, what was the idea behind this? Pick the guy who finished his highest. Um, we're going to do the same thing that we did with the Masters. And so we've got groups of three players here. And so how it's going to work is we each get a player out of the three groups and then whoever comes in out of all our groups with the lowest combined score is the winner this week. And it's probably easier to just highlight versus like writing the names in, but yeah, you're, you're probably right. Um, but we need to have assorted colors. Um, okay. So the first group, John Rom, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Kevin, you can go first. Uh, oh, it's hard to take anybody but Scheffler right now, but I'm taking, I'm going to take my boy, John Rom. Okay. Jeff, you can go next. I'll take Scheffler then. All right. And I will take uh, Justin Thomas then, obviously. Uh, next one, Patrick Cantlay, Colin Morikawa, and Jordan Spieth. I'm going to go first. And last time I did this, I I did not pick the winner. Uh, but I'm going to take Spieth here because I, I like that. Uh, Jeff. 
Give me Cantley. Okay. That's good. I hate Cantley. I'll take more car, even though he's been killing me all year. But Cantley makes he has a punchable face. All right, next one, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, and Dustin Johnson. Kevin, who are you taking? Jeff, who are you taking? Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. I'll take Hovland. Okay. Uh, Kevin, who are you taking? I'll take uh, Rory. Right. That leaves me with Dustin Johnson. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Uh, next group, Shane Lowry, Cameron Smith, Hideki Matsuyama. Kevin, who are you taking? Uh, I'll take Cam Smith. All right, uh, Jeff. Give me Shane Lowry. Give me Atsuyama, and then oh, we have two more. Uh, next one: Xander Chafle, Will Zala, Torres, Daniel Berger. Uh, <laughs> sounded that, that one out. That was some robotics <laughs> shit right there. Zala Torres, baby. Man, that was a struggle. All right, uh, I'll go first. I'm gonna take uh, Chafle, Jeff. Give me Zalatoris. The Burge. I'll take Burger. Uh, and then last group, Corey Connors, Brooks Kepka, and Joaquin Neiman. Uh, Kevin. Well, I got to go Brooksy. I'll go Brooks Kepka on this one. Okay. Give me Corey okay. Connors. Neiman. All right. Good luck to all of us. Uh, and that'll do it for the sports book rundown. All right. Well, th- we're back. Back to golf. That's my bread and butter. All right. Let's go to prospect poker. <laughs> prospect poker. So the rules of the game are pretty simple on this one. We're going to play poker on the screen, but while you are listening, we're going to talk about our sleeper prospects of 2023 guys that we're looking at and saying, Hey, you guys should take a look at these guys. And then some overhyped prospects of 2023 that people are very, very much overhyping or overdrafting. So we will start with Christian first on his sleeper. Who do you got Christian? Yeah, so I actually, I just talked about him, um, but I, I want to talk about Pat Garwo here. Uh, he's a, I think he's a redshirt sophomore, actually. He might just be a true sophomore, but um, he is draft eligible this year. He is a bruising back, but he also has a little more burst than you'd expect. He's got a little more wiggle to him. He, he looks like an NFL back to me. And, you know, while I've missed on players before, he's a guy that rushed for over a thousand yards while splitting some time in that Boston College offense. If they give him the keys, I think we're going to see a, a meteoric rise up some running back draft list. Um, so I'm, I'm rolling with him. Can I give you my comp? Right. Sorry, Jeff. I'm going to be sure. a dick. I'm just going to just ruin the hey, show. Dylan. Uh, Doug Martin. I like him and Doug yeah. Martin. They are yeah. very similar. I love Garwell, and I, I saw you say put that Doug Martin muscle, you know, muscle hands. I, like, I think I, those I like those that. two guys look a lot alike. All right, sorry, Jeff, my bad. All right, so we have a king of diamonds, a four of clubs, and a five of hearts showing on the board right now. And Christian's going to throw up a five of diamonds, so he's got a pair of fives. My guy, Anias Smith, and I think that Anias Smith is just a fun player. He started out as a running back, transitioned to wide receiver, and I think that when we were looking for a wide back that can play in the NFL, that can work in some of those zone run schemes, uh, I think he's a guy that kind of has that skill set. And so he seems to be written off, essentially, because he's not a natural wide receiver, but I think that there's a path that he could get a role in an NFL offense. And I'm excited to see what he's able to do this year. So I have a two of hearts. 
That's what you get. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Kendall Milton. I think Kendall Milton's a sleeper. I don't care what anybody says. I put him up in my top 10 today, and people are like, why is that based on what, loyalty? I'm like, I don't even like Kendall Milton that much coming in college. I just think when you look at him, you know, he got 56 carries last season, but he had to be in that running back committee with Zamir and James Cook and all that stuff. He opens up perfectly to have usage, and he's going to get volume on that team. He's pretty good contact balance. He turns into positive gains. He gets involved in the passing game. Like, I think people are sleeping on Milton in, in a class that, yes, is heavy, but you're looking at a guy that could vault up boards, in my opinion, if he gets that usage, especially on that team. A nine of diamonds for Kevin. Yeah, regarding Milton, he's one of the burstiest backs I've I've watched yet this year. Um, overhyped prospects, Spencer Rattler is my pick here. I, I think that we've kind of lived in the world where Spencer Rattler was projected to be the first overall pick last or in this past draft. And we haven't really considered the fact that he had to transfer out of Oklahoma because he threw a little baby fit when he lost his job. I think that those character concerns are enough to maybe push him down draft boards. He has a lot of arm talent. He's not a great athlete. So this fantasy football, why are we kind of doing this with a pocket passer that's undersized? Um, could be wrong, but I think that he's overvalued at this moment. A king of hearts. And so Look Christian's throwing up a pair of kings and a pair of fives. So Christian is going to win the show, but I'm going to go with <laughs> Phil, Phil Yurkovic. And um, he's a guy that he's still kind of being mentioned out there as a Debbie asset. And um, I'm just not buying it at all. And situations set up well for him with Zay Flowers coming back with Pat Garrow. We talked about already. Uh, I just don't see... Uh, there's no athleticism that I see that can translate to getting you fantasy points out of the rushing game. And I just don't think he's that good. I think he's just kind of a classic college quarterback that doesn't really translate to the NFL. And I've got a ace of clubs. Not that it matters. Yeah. So for my overhype guy, yeah, and I not like him, but I just think we're overhyping a little bit is Devin a chain from the Texas A&M running back. He's just too small. Uh, and you know, he's going to be around 175, 170. Uh, he's a track runner. And the reason why I say he's overhyped is because he's getting drafted very high in Debbie drafts. And I think you cannot use really prime capital on a running back that's under 180 pounds or around that area. I just don't think you can do it. Um, so I, I think that especially for a scat back type of guy, I don't think he's anything but that because I just think his size is too small. Um, and, and I think that's why he's getting overhyped. So I'm out on, on Devin as far as like a Debbie asset of someone that you're going to be able to draft. Now, if you got him last year, later, okay. But even then, I would trade him right now. I think he's a good Debbie sell, like try to sell on this because the way NFL looks at these guys, he's not going to be a he's not going to be a good Deb NFL asset. A queen of spades. Oh, good job, Christian. You got the thanks. Show. I did, but we have to play blackjack, right? We always play blackjack, even if Black, we don't have like trivia. <laughs> so the way we do, we play blackjack. We play trivia when we play blackjack. You hit, you get a question. If you get it right, you get a beneficial outcome. You get it wrong, you get a non-beneficial outcome. Christian's starting us off with a 20 because he already <laughs> won anyways. So um, Kevin is sitting on a 12, and I'm going to throw up a 15. So does anybody have a trivia question for Kevin? There would be one one opportunity here. No, um, I'm working on it though. So, 
Um, I to work on it too. Um, Kevin, we're out of 2022, 2021, and 2020. Which year saw the most running backs drafted in the NFL draft? Uh, 2020. It's incorrect. It was 2022. All right. So you got. I lost it. All right. So anybody, you have a trivia question, Kirsten or Kevin? Kevin, please. Yeah. So which, I'm going to give you four quarterbacks. You're going to tell me which one of the following quarterbacks was not selected before Tom Brady in the 2000 draft. All right. Yep. Giovanni Carmazzi, Todd Husek, T. Martin, or Spurgeon Wynn? Todd Husek. You are correct. Look at you. Wow. I still bust things. I still busted. Christian wins the show. First time in a while, I'm, I feel, you know, kind of unprepared, but I haven't even used, so we made these cool uh, Jeff's, Jeff's Corner featuring people. This is the first time I've gotten to use it for myself, uh, and I'm wasting a lot of my time here. Uh, what I want to talk about, and, and I, I guess this is the theme of this show, is all of the great stuff that we are doing for the Patreon. I dove into our, uh, we're writing scouting reports, and this is actually, this may be news. I, I think we put a tweet out. Uh, we're trying to write scouting reports for all of our Debbie rankings so that we can be transparent and kind of tell you guys what we're seeing when we're watching these guys. I've been kind of going into those and, and it's exciting stuff. So, I mean, we're, I'm putting in their strengths, weaknesses, uh, Debbie outlook, C2C outlook, because those are two different things. I think it's worth it, your time. I think it's good reading material. If you guys have not checked it out yet, the Patreon is on the the show uh, on the screen there. It's also, I think, linked in the episode of the podcast. But um, these two right here are doing awesome stuff. Anthony and Herms are doing fantastic stuff as well. So just want to shout out everyone and say go get our Debbie rankings because we're going to have good Debbie rankings. And Jaron Hall is high in my Debbie rankings. I don't care. All right. Well, we will be back next week on May 24th, about 930 Eastern. Until then, I'm Kevin Coleman at the boys underscore 22. I'm Jeff Bell at for whom J Bell tolls. And I am Christian Williams at C Williams NFL. And this is the Debbie Royale. Thank you for listening to the Debbie Royale. Follow us on Twitter at the Debbie Royale. If you haven't already subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Debbie Royale. Tune in on YouTube every Tuesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But until then, this has been the Devi Royale.